Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Andrew works really well as a name. Thank you. It was, um, to be honest, um, I was sharing with um, Zaley last week because Zaley brought something up just in chatting because of the ordination. And um, I'll get a bit emotional. <laughs> uh, but with the ordination coming up, I was quite happy just to be ordained and have it happen very quietly <laughs> um, for whatever reason. My wife, who's out in kids' church, and by the way, can I just say, church, for all of those that are in Little Stars All Shine, can you keep encouraging them? They do a phenomenal job. We often sit here and wonder, I wonder where that person is. I wonder where that person is. And they're serving our kids, you know. So um, when the opportunity presents itself, go up there, high-five them, back-slap them, encourage them, love them, kiss them, you know. Anyway, um, Mel was determined that uh, my ordination wouldn't be done in secret. She thought it was uh, worthy of celebrating because of the journey that I've been on over years. So <laughs> she invited some people to come along. It was a special day. It was a good day. So for those that knew, <laughs> because many of you didn't because I wasn't sharing it, thank you for praying for me and thank you for the honour this morning. It's, um, thank you. I'll take that on board. Amen. Anyway, let's pray. <laughs> See if I can compose myself. And preach a word in 25 minutes. Oh, they go, no way, that's impossible, I know. <laughs> Father, we thank you that you uh, are in charge, that you have control. You are our daddy and our papa. And we just say, Lord, have your way today. I pray that every word that's spoken is spoken in love. Father, I pray that every word that I speak comes from your heart. And I pray, God, that we would all receive what you're trying to say to us in the right light, in the right manner that we may truly, Lord, go from strength to strength and glory to glory to represent, Lord, you and bring glory to you, Father, in this place, in our community, in our lives, that your name would be made great, that men and women and children that are lost, that don't know you, would come to that wonderful discovery of who the one true living God is. So have your way today, we ask, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Okay. Ah, what an interesting journey I think that we've been on the last few weeks, last month or so, with some of the messages that have been shared um, in hindsight, because I often look back to see, what's God been saying? Where's he been leading us? You know, how's, he, how's this thing panned out? Um, it was probably the beginning of the year that I looked back over the last two or three years. And when I look at the sermons that have been preached, the visitors that have come, the particular themes and topics, I can't help but sit there and think, oh my golly gosh, you know, man, God has just had his hand and it's just been this beautiful line that's, that's, that's been drawn, you know. It's almost as if we'd planned it three or four or five years in advance and we haven't. You know, God drops things into our spirit and we run with it until we feel like it's changing. And, you know, over the last, last month or so, we've been looking at, at, at particular messages because we know that our salvation's free. We don't work for that. But we looked at things like counting the cost to follow him. What would it cost us? to be a child of God. You know, if we're really hungry and thirsty and, and we want to be satisfied and filled, what does that take? You know, even Mel last week preached a message where she said, in all of our circumstance, in all of our seasons, we need to be people that aren't dictated to by what's happening around us, but rather we need to be a people that live by faith, not by sight, yeah? 
And, and I guess for me, when I look at that, I see this, this, this interwoven message, the, you know, these interloping themes, and I just know that God's got his, his hand on stuff. Because at the end of the day, it's our choices, you know, not our chances, as I, I often say, that determine our destiny. And I believe with all of that, to be able to count the cost, to be able to put aside stuff and give of yourself and your time and, and, and of your treasure, to be able to live by faith, all of those things are only possible because of one reason and one reason alone. You know, and that's because he loved us first. <laughs> Amen? Like, he just loved us first. If he didn't love us first, we wouldn't count the cost. If he didn't love us first, we wouldn't give of ourselves. If he didn't lo love us first, we wouldn't be living by faith. We wouldn't do any of those things. But he loved us first. You've got to love First John. You've just got to love some of the scriptures that remind us. You know, First John 4.19, we love because he first loved us. You know, it's really simple. You know, people go, why are you so nice to those people? You know, or you really go out of your way for that person, that couple. You know, why do you do that? Well, because God loved me first, you know. He just loved me first. See, so for you and I, God's greatest desire, you've got to grab this, God's greatest desire, his greatest desire is you. Like it's flat out, it's you. you, you look to the person next to you and even say, it's even you. You know, like it really is. It's you. God's greatest desire is you. And we've been created in, in his image, true? In his image, we have been created. Male and female, he created them. So if God's greatest desire is us, yeah, I, I want to suggest then his desires then should be our desires. If we're created in, in, in his image and his greatest desire is to have a relationship with us, to see us living a life abundant, and abundant doesn't mean rich, yeah, but to see a life that's abundant in him, then our greatest desire should be the same because we are created in his image. Amen? So I, I, I want to put in my disclaimer from the beginning to say today could be a little bit challenging. It could be really, you know, flame-throwing and invigorating and life-giving. One thing I know, though, is you're going to determine how you receive the words that are spoken. Yeah? Because I know how they're given, but only you are going to determine how they're received. There's a quote by Rick Joyner, and I put it on Facebook this week because he was talking about the local church. Uh, and he says, the river of, of living water is in us, not outside of us. We're all okay with that, yeah? Those who get the most out of anything are always those who come to give, not just receive. If your well is flowing within, you can be in the driest meeting. Anyone been in a dry meeting before? <laughs> in the driest meeting and have a wonderful time with the Lord, both hearing and seeing him. He is always there when even just two or more are gathered. So if we don't see him, then our eyes are closed. Yeah? So I share that to preface again. How you receive the message is entirely on you. Yeah? Amen? So at the end of today... I guess only we can decide what we'll see and at the end of today only we can decide what we'll hear. But one thing I know is that we're loved by God. We are entirely 100% loved by him. He has pursued us. He has wooed us. He wants us. He totally loves us. Even while we were sinners, yeah? He sent his son. He loves his creation. 
God didn't make mankind and sit there spitting a dummy like my son. Like he didn't do that. Oh my goodness. What I saw was so much better than what I created. You know, that's not how God works. You know, he created us and he loves us. Like totally madly in love with us. He was gutted. Papa was gutted when we were separated because of the fall. He was gutted when that relationship was severed. Like he was gutted. God was, was gutted. Because he longs for that relationship with you and me. He longs for it. He longs for us to be whole. Yeah? Whole. Get a hold of that. Whole. Whole. In your spirit, whole. In your physical, whole. He longs for it. On earth, as it is in heaven, he longs for it. He longs for us to live an abundant life. You know, I've shared this scripture before, but if you've got your Bibles, have a look at Genesis chapter 3, verses, verses 8 and 9, because I just want to paint a picture. I, I want to be able to show you God's desire. You have to be able to catch God's desire because God's desire has to be, must be, should be our desire because we're created in his, in his image. And if it's not our desire, then within us, yeah, not God, the issue's not God, then there's something within us that has to shift and change. Amen? It says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord. This is after they mucked it up, yeah? And as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said, Where are you? See, here's God from the very beginning. The minute that our separation from, from him, you know, we're separated from him, the minute that happens, the minute the relationship starts going wonky, he actually comes out and starts looking. Hey, Adam, where are you? Like, Adam, hello. <whistles> Adam, where are you? Like he was looking. The brilliance is that he's God. He knew where Adam was, but he was looking anyway. Well, you've got to love it. You've got to love living in the paradox of the Christian life, yeah? Like he's God, he knows where he is, but he comes looking anyway. Paradox, love it. Where are you? Because sometimes he does things to show us how much he loves us, yeah? So he calls out, Adam, where are you? From the very beginning, all God wants is to be in relationship with us, with his creation, you know? Parents that are here, aren't you the same with your kids? Man, ever misplaced a child at a shopping centre? <laughs> yeah, like, no one's said, oh, yeah, I have. I've done it a couple of times. I can't tell anyone. Like, seriously, you just turn around for a minute and all they've done is they've just hidden behind a coat rack or, you know, they're playing. If it's Nathan, Nathan jumps underneath clothes, you know, and he hides there on purpose. You know what you find out really quickly? They never sweep underneath those rags, ever, ever, ever. <laughs> and all it's like, where is he? I don't know. Where, oh my goodness, where's one Nathan? And you start yelling out in the shop, don't you? Nathan, Nathan. You just start calling. Recently, Mel took the boys to um, uh, just to the IGA, and Samuel's been running cross, cross countries, and he's doing re reasonably well. And in fact, in two weeks, he's got to go to Warnable to run another, another, another regional race or something or other. I'm not sure, he's, he's, he's been nailing it. So Mel occasionally gives him opportunity to train. So they went to the IGA and Samuel goes, what about if I run home? And Mel goes, okay. She goes, I'll just follow behind you in the car. Nathan's in the car. So Samuel bolts. He's out, mate. He's like, out like a rocket to go just from the IGA to our place. 
on that road, Mel's looking for him and can't find him. Now, I don't know if he was hiding. I don't know if he was just so fast that you know, he was like the flash. I don't know if Mel, when she looked this way, he happened to, she happened to be passing, to him, you know, passing him on the other side. I don't know. All I know is I'm at home trying to relax with my feet on the recliner. Feet up. Because she took the boys out for the afternoon, you know, and this was the end of it. And I'm watching a show. Like, please, I don't get a lot of this time. And Mel, I hear the car stop and she runs in. Like, seriously, ask her later. But don't tell her how I shared it. Um, she runs in and she goes, is Samuel here? Is Samuel here? I go, no, he's not here. Oh, my goodness, he's lost. He's lost. I don't know where he is. Someone's probably taken him. He was running. I go, relax, take your time. Like, pause. So what's going on? Yeah, what's happening? She goes, I let him run home and and, and I've driven up and back. And and Nathan, at this stage, because of Mel's reaction, Nathan's like, oh, my goodness, I think someone took Samuel. Right, they're freaking out. They're freaking out. And I'm like, I'm sure, I'm sure he'll be fine. He'll roll up at any minute. She goes, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm, okay, well, you go and have another look. I'll wait here at home. In the back of my head, I'm thinking, he's coming. I could press pause again. Yeah? They jump in the car and they take off. And I'm not talking about, like, the Camry front-wheel drive. Up the road to go look for Samuel. And then as quick as they left, they came back because he was coming around the corner. Now, like I said, I don't know if he was hiding. <laughs> I have no idea. But her reaction to want to find her son, not mine, is just like God looking for us. When he says, Adam, where are you? There was an urgency because all he knew was that I've got this relationship with my creation and now it's been severed. It's gone. Where is it? Who robbed me of my relationship with him? That was God for Adam, for us. Yeah? His desire is you, flat out, 100%. Regardless of the day or week or month that you're having, regardless of whether you're healthy or unhealthy, his desire is you. You, 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 you. He wants to walk and talk with you. His plan and purposes for you are good, even when you can't see it. Yeah, don't change your theology because of the season that you're in. Don't do that. You rob yourself. All things work together for good, even when you don't like those things. Don't rob yourself of God's goodness because life's thrown you a lemon to suck on. And I understand that sometimes life is just tough and some of us can't imagine what some of you have been through. I understand that. And I don't want to come across as if that's not important, but what I just want to be able to say is Don't miss the fact that God loves you regardless of what you've been through, what you're going through. That doesn't change. His purposes for you are good. They're always good. Now, here's a question. What's the one thing that we can't do in heaven that we can do on earth? You would have been asked this or heard this thousands of times. In heaven, we can't win the lost, can we? Hey, really, come on. We can't heal the sick in heaven. Shock, horror, there goes that fun, you know. Can't do that. I guess we'll still be encouraging people, amen, for that. But the broken people, in bringing them back into right relationship, into a walk with God, we can't do that in heaven because lost people don't exist in heaven. 
Sick people don't exist in heaven. Doesn't exist there. You know, we're called to heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, yeah? <laughs> and cast out demons. When we go home to heaven, we can't cast out a single demon. Now, I'm going to go out there and be spiritual for a minute, you know? There are some times in prayer ministry where you cast out a demon. You go, come on, don't be silly. That's, that's not for today. I <laughs> know it is. And sometimes when you cast out a demon, they come out screaming. Seriously, like, ah! Look, it's really cool. Look, it really is. When you understand the authority that you walk in and the stupid things that the demonic side does, you've got to sit there and laugh. But when we get to heaven, we can't do that anymore. We sort of just laugh, look down at hell and, you know, I guess we don't laugh because we're compassionate, but it's the demons, not the lost souls that we're laughing at, you know. Ah, you lost. Ba-bow, bad luck, we won. We're the premiers, we follow Jesus to the end, you know. There's some stuff that we can't do in heaven. And yet, I want to suggest that if God's desire is you and me, to walk with him, talk with him, have a relationship with him, to see us whole, to be made righteous because of him. And our desires are his desires. And I reckon here on earth, some of that responsibility rests on us. See, his desires should be our desires in life, in action, everywhere we go. In our words, it's to be like Jesus, isn't it? Really, it's to be like Jesus. And if we can truly understand and grab hold of and believe all that God has done for us through Jesus, not just a knowledge, but an understanding of what he's done, what he's given, then we can't help not helping. We can't help not being a part of it. We're compelled. Do you understand? Compelled. Inside, there's a fire that compels you. See, Daddy's problem is now our problem. Some of you are thinking, well, what's God's problem? He doesn't have any problems. Well, no, look, actually he does. Romans 3.23 says, For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. See, God's problem is that because of sin, because of Adam and Eve, however literal you want to take it, because of the fall, yeah, we are separated from God. Yeah? His problem is Adam went missing. His problem is that that relationship was severed. His problem is his one desire, the enemy was trying to rob from him. Yeah? That's his problem. Yet God, Papa, Daddy, wants to embrace us. He wants to love us. That's all he wants to do. And the enemy, from the very beginning, does his best to remove that. The very thing that God longs for with us. Because he loves us, even when we're lost. Because while we were still sinners, he sent his son. So God's solution is simple. We know it. It's the gospel message in John in 3.16. Yeah? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever should drink espresso co coffee should not perish but have everlasting life. We know what it says, yeah? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever should believe in him 
will not perish but have everlasting life. So God's got a problem that we're separated from him and so he sends Jesus as the solution. Yeah, doesn't he? We know that. That's the gospel. If you guys aren't up to date with that, we're in really big trouble as a church, as the greater church, if the church in general doesn't know that. God gives his all so we can make our way back home to him. Back home to him. Citizens of heaven, heirs and co-heirs with him. Seated in heavenly places with him, yeah? In right relationship. And I love this because we need to remember, you and I, if his desires are now our desires because we're created in his image, now this particular Title, if you like, makes more sense. We are his ambassadors. We are his ambassadors. What does an ambassador do? Demonstrates what's going on in the country that they're from. Yeah, We're from heaven. Our citizenship's there. We bring the governance of heaven to earth. We are his ambassadors. See, that's really important, so hold on to that for a minute. That's why we've got a table out in the foyer with hands at work. That's why we're running a, a, a short-term mission trip to Kenya with, with the Muli children's family. The reason we're doing that is because God's desire should be our desire. His problem of his creation being separated from him now is our problem. And his solution, Jesus, is our solution. So we've been saved, we walk right, and now we are his hands and feet extended, yeah? That's why Father God sent his son to save and reclaim and win the lost to bring us back into relationship. And we are adopted into his family. We are his children. It's a father and son, daughter business. I hate to say it. Yeah, we can't neglect it. We can't walk away from it. It's there. And, and I love it because Jesus comes, he represents the father, and he teaches us a new way to live, doesn't he? Teaches us a brand new way to live. He gives us a new command. Love one another as I have loved you. How has he loved us? He went and died on a cross. Seriously, Jesus, are you for real? This is what we have to do? We have to like die to self? I thought it would be really easy becoming a Christian. I could just kick back, relax, stay at home, you know? Just pray to you every couple of days, read the Bible occasionally. No. Ba-bow. John 17, 18 says, Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. Oh my goodness, rip out that page now. Seriously, rip it out. Just as God sent his son and his son died on the cross, Jesus says his words and now I send them. Dude, I don't want to do that. That's really tough. That's really hard. Do I have to? Are you serious, Jesus? But you and I are his ambassadors. We are his ambassadors. We are, underline, A-R-E. And if that's difficult, just highlight and make in bold the letter R. We are his ambassadors. We represent him. And he shows us how to show the Father by loving each other and giving up our lives. There's an urgency because God just wants his family back. His desires are our desires. But pastor, that's not my calling. Pastor, God doesn't ask me to live like that. Are you sure? Acts 1.8 But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. 
in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Wow. He legitimately is sending us out there. But he's, I guess at least he's empowering us to do it. But even in that, if we don't understand what he did for us, if we don't understand from where he's taken us, if we don't understand that on this side of the cross, we had an eternity separated from God, a living hell, yeah? Spiritually and physically. If we don't understand that he's taken us from this place and put us in this place, then this is impossible regardless of how he's tried to empower us. We've got to understand where we've come from. The Bible says that he reached down into the miry clay. We can't live by faith while we sit in the boat. It's not until we step out that we start to live by faith, where we start to sink. But it's in that that we're stretched. It's in that that we discover all that God has for us. He commands us to make disciples, baptise them, teach them my new command, help them to guard from loss, help them to love each other. And then we know, Matthew 28, 19, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptise them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. It's not possible unless we know that he's with us. It's not possible unless we know where he's taken us from and brought us to. We're saved from something, for something. It's not just to kick back. It's just not. That's not Christianity. Yeah? When we grab hold of our original design, when we grab hold of our true identity, and we start to walk in the authority that he's given us, all of this is possible. It's not possible outside of that. And it's not a striving either. It's a compelling in the, on the inside. It just happens. It's just there. I just want to spend time with him. I can't help it. People should be saying, hey, you probably need to spend some time with your spouse. Oh, yeah, I was going to. I just wanted to finish reading. You know, I was reading this part of the Bible. I was praying. I was going out to, yeah, I know. But hey, come on. Because there's a compelling on the inside of us. If we can completely understand the price that was paid. So we can only love because he first loved us. And we can only love when we understand how much he loved us. It's just a desire on the inside of us to be like him. Just a desire. That's why Paul and, and, the, and the other disciples, Peter, and some of the others that have written in, in this beautiful book that refer to themselves in the scriptures. Oh, look... Are we free in Jesus? Amen. And yet they write, we're slaves. We're bond servants. What does that mean? It means they willingly place themselves at, and, and under the authority of Jesus and they serve him. They can do whatever they like, but they are slaves because of what he's done. It's no longer a choice. It just happens. It's on the inside of us. It's that, that small, small flame that's been fanned and now it's a raging bushfire and you can't help it. Romans 1.1, this letter is from Paul, a slave of Christ. He's a slave. The word there, it's a Greek word, doulos, and it, and it means someone who belongs to another, a bond slave without any ownership rights. Because when we accept Jesus, we give over our rights. We go... You know what, God, less of me and more of you. 
Now, we need to bring who we are into the relationship, but we're handing over our rights and we're saying, God, have your way in me. Talk to us, lead us, guide us, counsel us. If we truly understand what he's done for us, we are bond servants of Jesus. We just have to do stuff because we're compelled to. It's like when you're hungry. You just keep walking up to the fridge. I understand that hunger. I've met that fridge many times. You give up rights for, for, for him and you live with him, from him and for him. Mel shared last week from 2 Corinthians chapter 11 from verse 23 and I, I won't read it all but it's Paul and he says five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 flat, um, lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. And it goes on and on and on and on and on. And when you read that, I don't know about you, I'd be like, give up, dude. Stay down. You ever watch those Rocky movies? And they're like the fighter that's getting beaten. Stay down. Don't get up. Stay down. But he keeps getting up. Paul keeps getting up. No wonder why at the beginning of verse 23, he says, I know I sound like a madman because he keeps getting up. But, but how does he do that? Because inside of him, there's something that's stirring him. He chooses to live by faith and not by sight. But how does he choose to live by faith and not by sight? With everything that he's experiencing, all of his emotion and pain, how does he do that? It's because he understands what God did for him when he was over here. He understands where his life was headed. And there's a reality now that, hey, you know what? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He can't help himself. No matter what he goes through, he's a bondservant of Jesus. You and I have a responsibility to be his examples. We just do. To live in our true identity, to live out our original design. And to, to live there, you live in the stretch. There is living in the stretch. You know, there is living in the stretch. It's not outside of the stretch. You are who you are outside of the stretch, but you don't experience it until you stretch, until you step out of the boat. It means in every situation, we ask a really simple question. What would Jesus do? You see a sick person walking past? What would Jesus do? Church is on at 10 a.m. Man, I'm not feeling well. What would Jesus do? It was overflow tonight. I was planning on watching the Arrow, a couple of episodes in the flash. What would Jesus do? This isn't, you can understand, I said from the beginning, it's not about making you feel guilty. It's about fanning into flame. It's about invigorating. It's about challenging. See, the, the word of God cuts through bone and marrow like a double-edged sword. If you want a, a, a faith that just lets you sit in your seats and it's not Christianity, I'm telling you, this is the wrong faith if you just want to sit quietly in your seats. You see a person who has a need, ask that question, what would Jesus do? There's a Bible study friendship group on. I haven't been for a while. What would Jesus do? I haven't prayed this week, so what would Jesus do? I haven't read for some time. What would Jesus do? I wonder who those new people are that came into church this morning. What would Jesus do? See, we are his ambassadors. 
His desire is our desire because we were created in his image. God's desires for the lost, God's hearts for his children. And you and I, we are his children. We are, we are, we are his hands and his feet extended today. There's a quote by Hans Urs von Balthasar. What a name, yeah? What you are is God's gift to you, yeah? It's on the front of the Logos. What you are is God's gift to you. But what you become is your gift to God. You are his children. You are heirs and co-heirs. You are seated in heavenly places. You are royalty. You are his ambassadors. But what you become is your gift to him. It means we count the cost. It means we give even when we can't give it and we don't have any more time or finance. We give. It means we live by faith, not by sight. It means we don't let our circumstance, regardless of what it is, emotional or physical, dictate who we are in God. Jesus was facing death on a cross that was much more rugged than that. And he still went. We've got to capture and understand what he did for us on this side of the cross. Because he could have said at any time, hey God, you know what, I'm just thinking, it's a bit, look, it's going to hurt a bit. My wrist is already a little bit sore today and I know I'm being quite jovial and cheeky. But he could have at any time said, I'm not going. I can't do it. It's too much. Let me rest. God, do I have to speak to that person? I can see they're sick. Do I have to pray? At any time he could have said that, but he still went. Because maybe in the back of his mind, he had a similar question. What would my father do? See, once we know the problem, once we know God's design, once we know God's solution and plan, once we know his mission, we know where we fit in. You know, if we look at hands at work in Africa or the Muli Children's Family in Kenya, what's their problem? You have a nation of men and women and children that don't know the love of the Father. So what's God's desire for them? God's desire for them is for them to discover the, the love of God, for them to discover Jesus, for them to, to, to live out an abundant life. And I say again, abundant doesn't mean rich. What's God's solution? Jesus. So what's his plan for them? You and me. Because his desire is our desire. You know, when you read the parable of the great feast in Luke 14, it's all about inviting people. It's all about bringing people. It's all about getting people into the kingdom. See, Papa wants his creation at the banqueting table with him. He wants to feast with us. Yeah? He wants us to invite the poor. Luke 14 The servant returned and told his master they had said what they had said. His master was furious and said, Go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. See, his desire now becomes our desire. He now sends us out amongst the lost to be his witnesses, yeah? Empowered to be able to pray for the sick, to be able to open the eyes of the blind, to be able to help the lame and the crippled to walk in faith, Yeah? 
to have a relationship with the living God. And in everything, we just need to keep asking, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? His problem is our problem. What he loves, we love. His solution is our solution, yeah? We are his hands and feet in our homes, in Ballarat, in our community, in our church. In Victoria, in Australia, in Africa, in Kenya. You know, what you are is God's gift to you, but what you become is your gift to God. So why don't we just, actually just sit, I'm going to get you to watch a video and we're going to close. Are you like Peter and Paul and others? Are you a slave to Jesus, a bondservant for him? It's our responsibility. We have to. It's a compelling. You know, I shared a few weeks ago, I, I don't understand how people in the world come to church once every four weeks and that's considered regular. I, I personally don't understand that. Because for me, I have a, there's a compulsion, a compelling. I, I, I have to get into the house of God. Not because I have to whips, not because I'm striving, because there's a desire in me to be with God, to worship him, to be with his people, even when I'm on holiday. I, I can't explain it to you. It just, I have to. See, God's called us, each and every one of us. We've heard his call. We've said yes to Jesus. But it doesn't stop there. See, that's the beginning of our journey. The great men and women of God that we often talk about are only great men and women of God because they keep asking the question, what would Jesus do? And they step out of the boat. They don't feel like it, they step out of the boat. Something's going on in their life, they step out of the boat. They're sick, they step out of the boat. Something's coming against them, they step out of the boat. They see someone that's sick, hurt, injured, they step out of the boat. They just keep stepping out of the boat. It's a good thing. Because we go from glory to glory and strength to strength. That means the people that we meet discover more and more of Jesus all the time. You know what the paradox is? We're chatting about this this week, and I'll finish with this, and then we'll watch this little video. Um, we have the fullness of God inside of us, yeah? He was pleased, God the Father was pleased to place his fullness in his Son. And because we said yes to him through his Holy Spirit, we have the fullness of God within us. The fullness of God. So people often say, well, why do we keep asking for more? I love it. Here comes the paradox. Here comes the stretch. Yeah? How long is a piece of string? Seriously, how long is a piece of string? You can't measure it if it's still rolling, can you? It's still going. You can't measure it. That's why you have the saying, how long is a piece of string? Now, God doesn't have a beginning. God doesn't have an end. How can you measure the fullness of God? There is always more. When you think you can't go anymore, there's more. When you think you can't do that, there's more. When you think you've had enough, there's more. When you think there's no strength left, there's more. When you think this is absolutely impossible, there's more. Because there's a fullness that can't be measured. You have his fullness inside of you. That can't be measured. It's okay to say, I want more. Because in God, there's always more. Amen? Let's watch this video. It's in relation to hands at work, but it's in relation to what we've been speaking about. And remember, work through this stuff in Jesus' name. Amen?
There's no hope, no food, nobody she can lean on. This is the world she's living in. out to the stars mama's gone daddy's sick he's gotta take care of his family he's only 13 somehow he is the leader of the house Survey. This is the beauty 
seated in heavenly places, heirs and co-heirs. Father, we are your ambassadors. And Father, this day we pray that we would go away, that your Holy Spirit would start to, to nurture, to counsel, to show, to reveal, Father, to illuminate. Father, I pray, Lord, that within ourselves, Lord, that we won't be convicted but yet challenged. <laughs> Father, that, Lord, within us there would be this compelling, a compulsion to be like your son, Jesus. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for these moments. And Lord, in it all, we give you all the glory and we give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, if you want to know more about Hands at Work, please speak to Rob. And if you want to know more about the Mooley Children's family, please speak to Wilson. Get to know more, yeah? Get to know more of God that you can be more like God in Jesus' name. Amen.